Hello and welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we meet together to discuss the eternal principles of Godhead and of the eternal family. And we rejoice in this glorious proclamation delivered by a prophet of God receiving revelation with the Council of the Twelve Apostles and these the latter days. Of that God and Lord Jesus Christ, we testify that he rose from the dead on the third day. He sits at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. He is our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior, our Redeemer. Let all the angels of heaven shout for joy. Let the, let the heavens, the earth, and the moon proclaim the glory and the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ. We welcome you today as we look today at a modern-day revelation. That's why we have prophets in these latter days, to lead and to guide us with the things that are facing uh, our economies, facing our uh, uh, countries, facing the uh, situation that we currently live in in these days. This proclamation was delivered by a prophet of God in the Council of the Twelve Apostles in 1995. In those days, people knew what a family was. People had families here on the earth. Now we've seen uh, that their warning has continued to go unheeded by the wicked of this world, and the family is being disintegrated, and uh, the economies are collapsing. People don't even know who their fathers are. They don't know who their mothers are. Uh, a lot of countries, the uh, divorce rate's over 50% uh, now. Is, uh, people have not learned basic principles of getting along one with another, basic principles of repentance and forgiving and loving each other, the simple things that we try to teach children. But unfortunately, this is the dire consequences of failure to act and the failure to listen and hearken to the prophets of these, the latter days. We will look here now at this revelation. It was read by the uh, prophet, uh, President Gordon B. Hinckley, of him, I testify that Gordon B. Hinckley indeed was God's prophet to lead this church in the late 1900s and into the early 2000s. And he did a lot of great work upon this earth, a man of God. Uh, let's look now and we'll look at this revelation here. This was read to General Conference and the Women's Relief Society meeting. It says here, the family, a proclamation to the world by the First Presidency and Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Says, we, the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that same church that we have looked at continuously over this past year in the year 2021, this church at which the Lord Jesus Christ himself declared is his only true and living church upon the face of the earth. We saw him do that over and over again all year long in the Doctrine and Covenants. We saw him testify of this over 160 times this year in the Doctrine and Covenants. And that same president here, President Gordon B. Hinckley, now leading that church of Jesus Christ and the Council of the Twelve Apostles. We, the First Presidency, and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God, and that that family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. That is God's life. That is the kind of life that God lives. He lives in the family unit. He has a wife. He has spirit children. 
That is the ideal. That is what we're all trying to accomplish in this life is to learn to pattern our own families after the heavenly family. As we learn to become fathers and mothers upon the earth, we become more like our heavenly father and our heavenly mother. And then one day we can prepare ourselves for similar responsibilities that they have in order to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of men. And he says here that all human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. There is a female God, a goddess. There is a male God. So males created after our Heavenly Father. Females are created after our Heavenly Mother. They're created in the image of God. Each is a beloved spirit, son or daughter of heavenly parents, not just one parent, not just a heavenly father. We don't just have a heavenly father. We have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. The only church upon the whole entire earth that teaches that true biblical principle out of Genesis 1 here, again, is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There is no other church upon here that teaches the true doctrine of the Bible. We looked at that last time. Why don't you read the watch that the video again and see as we went over time and time again over all the basic principles of the gospel that are taught only by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Bible. The only church that believes in the Bible from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 20. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We continue here. He says that each as such, as a as a beloved spirit, son or daughter of heavenly parents. Each has a divine nature and destiny. We can become divine. That is the greatest blessings that God has prepared for us, his spiritual children. No other blessing can match such a thing as to become a divine personage. We will always be subject to our Heavenly Father. He is our God. He is our Heavenly Father. We are always subject to him. But he can because, number one, he loves us. True fathers who love their children want even a better life for them as they grow up than what he has. So therefore, a wise and loving heavenly father, the, love, the God of love, as the Bible mentions, the God that loves his children, desires to bless us with even greater blessings. He wants us to at least have the, the blessings that he has. Ideally, he'd probably want to see us even become better than he, more exalted uh, than he, because he is a God of love. A God of love does not say to his children, I will give you a cloud. <laughs> I will give you a cloud and your choice of either a trumpet or, or a harp or a flute. That is not a true God of love. A true God of love would want his children to have the same kind of life that he has. That means an eternal family. That means the ability to produce spiritual children for the eternities to come, for millions, for billions, for trillions of years to continue to produce and have the joy of living in the family unit, of receiving new spirits as you take the intelligences, these uncreated, eternal last, eternal uh, thing, intelligences, that the substances that can think and have free will and can choose to act uh, and, and, and not be acted upon as the uh, Doctrine and Covenants taught us this year, to take these eternal uh, intelligences and, and create them into spiritual children and to have that great joy and love of being in that eternal heavenly relationship with our 
spiritual children. That is the greatest blessing that God has. A God who does not love you, who does is not a God of love, would say, I, I get to enjoy all of this. I get to enjoy the fullness of having all these spiritual children, of being a God, of being a creator of the, of the universe. But for you, no. For you, no. I just want you to have a cloud. I want you to sit on a cloud and play a harp forever and ever and ever. Even the American writer Mark Twain, that was a, not even a member of the church and even said negative things about God's church, he even he said that in eternal existence, sitting on a cloud would be very boring. That is not a God of love who would do such a thing to their children. Uh, number two, uh, you know, well, what? You worship a God who's not all powerful? The Bible clearly teaches that God is all-powerful. If God is all-powerful, then he has the ability to turn us into divine children, into, into divine uh, parents ourselves, to have spirit children just as he had spirit children. If God cannot turn you into a God, cannot make you a divine personage, he is not all-powerful. Therefore, he is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is all-powerful, and he can do mighty miracles, and he can turn you into a divine uh, person, an exalted uh, uh, father or exalted mother to have spirit children and live in this eternal uh, family relationship uh, forever and ever and have the fullness of everlasting joy. Let's continue here. He says that gender is an essential characteristic of individual pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. Uh, from the time you were born as a spirit children, as a spirit child, uh, you were born female and male in the pre-mortal council with, uh, under our the direction and under relationship of our heavenly father and our heavenly mother. We are then born on the earth with that same gender. And in the next world to come, when we die, we will again have that same gender because the gender is not based on the physical body. The gender is based on the intelligence, on the spirit within you. There is no operation upon the earth that, or that mankind will ever develop that can actually change the gender of your spirit. Yes, we have developed great modern technology and modern modern medicine that can create a body and turn a male into a female and a female into a male. That does not. You can change your body. You cannot change your spirit. Your spirit is eternal. It existed as a, a female or a male in the pre-mortal world before you were born on the earth. That same gender is what you have now. And that same gender is what you will have in the world to come. He says here, in the pre-mortal realm, spirits, sons, and daughters knew and worshiped God as their eternal father and accepted his plan by which his children could obtain a physical body and gain earthly experience to progress toward perfection and ultimately realize their divine destiny as heirs of eternal life. Romans, Jesus, Paul says that you can become joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has inherited all things of the Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ inherited all things that the Heavenly Father has. We can become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If you don't call that a God, what do you call that? To be joint heirs with Jesus Christ and joint with all things that the Father has. He says here, uh, he continues on here, he says, uh, so we to realize our divine destiny is heirs of eternal life. 
The divine plan of happiness, the whole purpose is to be happy, not to be miserable, not to be sad, and not to have feelings of guilt uh, that work on your conscience and, and make sure that you don't have peace. You The ideal is to have peace, to have joy, to be happy. And that's what the Heavenly Father put together this plan to bring us this joy and happiness. He says, the divine plan of happiness enables family relationships to be perpetuated beyond the grave. Not till death do you part. That's what all the other churches do, right? You get married until death do you part. That is a curse. The moment your wife or your husband dies, you are single. You are eternally separated from each other. You are living together as husband and wife, you know, in marital bliss. And now you're going to lose forever your husband and your wife? Well, you know, what kind of plan is that, right? That's why a great, loving Heavenly Father has put together the eternal plan and which enables us to go to a holy temple. And by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God, seal us one to another, husband and wife together forever and ever and ever. Not till death do you part, but for 50 billion years, 50 trillion years, on and on and on and on, eternal happiness being sealed together. How about your children? Do you want to lose your children? You know, you get married to any other way outside of the authority and the priesthood of God in the holy temple of God. Then what happens to your children? The moment you die, you, will not, you are no longer their father. You, will, you are no longer their mother. They are not your children. You are separated from them. Not only are you losing your, your husband or your wife, you're losing your children forever and ever and ever as you envision in your mind that your, the greatest thing you can have happen to you is to sit on a cloud and play a harp. That is not you know, God's ideal for you. That is not what will bring you joy and happiness. God knows what will bring you joy and happiness. That is eternal families. That is being sealed together, husband and wife, forever and ever. That is having your children sealed to you as your children forever and ever and ever. Having your grandchildren sealed to you forever and ever, ever. No greater happiness and joy is that. He said, he continues, sacred ordinances and covenants available in holy temples make it possible for individuals to return to the presence of God and for families to be united eternally. These things are only performed by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. As we saw all year long in the Doctrine and Covenants, Jesus Christ over and over and over again continues to testify and proclaim that the, that authority to bind on, to bind on earth and seal in heavens is, is to be found only in his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and is not to be found in any other church or organization upon the face of the earth. That is, these ordinances are then performed in the temple, which is the house of God. God accepts the temples as a holy place upon the earth, as the meeting place between heaven and 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 the earth. So, so the place for the reunion of the spirits of the dead and the and where they can come and watch their ordinances being performed, baptisms for the dead, the marriage the sealings to seal them to their eternal husband and or wife forever and ever and ever. So these things are only had in the holy temples of God. He says that now we go on to the next paragraph. The first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve, you read this in the book of Genesis, was to do what? 
to, he said that uh, for their potential for parenthood as husband and wife. We declare that God's commandment for his children to multiply and replenish the earth. That's the first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve in the in Genesis, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, is to multiply and replenish the earth. He says that the earth remains in force. We further declare that God has commanded that the sacred powers of procreation of the sexual relationship are to be employed only between man and woman lawfully wedded as husband and wife, not outside of marriage, uh, and not just because, you know, you want to give pleasures uh, uh, to your bodies in some sort of uh, uh, savage way, but that this uh, uh, sexual relationship is a divine union blessed by God, but it has to be performed within the marriage relationship between a male and a female as the first presidency uh, in the quorum of the 12 apostles are here declaring here in which the entire Bible from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation 20, all the entire Book of Mormon, all the entire Doctrine and Covenants, and the prograde price, and the whole last 6,000 years of God's dealings with the human race. That's what they taught. He says here, We declare the means by which mortal life is created to be divinely appointed. We affirm the sanctity of life and of its importance in God's eternal plan. Sanctity of life. Life is holy. Life is sacred to God. We don't just kill people at random. We don't kill babies. We don't kill other people. We value life. You know, we, we help serve one another. We try to get along with each other as best we can as, our, as the children of our Heavenly Father. Husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for each other and for their children. Children are an inheritance of the Lord, as uh, mentioned in Psalm 127.3. Parents have a sacred duty to rear their children in love and righteousness, to provide for their physical and spiritual needs, and to teach them to love and serve one another, observe the commandments of God, and be law-abiding citizens wherever they live. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers will be held accountable before God for the discharge of these obligations. You have a solemn responsibility, and you will be judged in the day of judgment before a just and a holy God that's full of justice and judge and judgment and punishment and seeking to punish those who refuse to listen and obey his commandments. You will be held accountable for before that just and holy God as to how you treated your wife, how you treated your husband, how you treated your children. Did you bring them up in the ways of the Lord? The Old Testament says you bring them up in the ways of the Lord, they'll never depart from it. And so, therefore, it's important that we teach from the beginning of their lives, God, that they are a child of God, that they can be happy in keeping his commandments, and that, the, the, and we, and that we lead them to the true church of Jesus Christ so they can have the fullness of his blessings for them. He says the family is ordained of God. Marriage between man and woman is essential to his eternal plan. If you don't have marriage between man and woman, then he can't exalt anybody. He can't make anybody else to become joint heirs with him and with Jesus Christ. Children are entitled to birth within the bonds, bonds of matrimony. They are not uh, supposed to be born with just a mother or just a father. They are to be born with a father and a mother, both showing the example in the, in the path towards God and eternal joy and happiness. 
and to be reared by a father and mother who honor marital vows with complete fidelity, that they're, that they're complete fidelity with one another. Happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. No question about that. So successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles. Here we go. Here we go. You want to know the secret of, of the staying together? You want to know the secret of having a happy and successful marriage? Do you want to know the secret of not getting divorced? Here it is, as taught by a prophet in the first presidency in the council of the 12 apostles of God. He says here, successful marriages and families are established, maintained on principles of faith, of prayer. I remember at one time watching Elder Ballard, President Ballard, now president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, in which he performed a marriage ceremony, a marriage in the temple. And he said in all his years of ministry, he has never seen people get divorced who were praying together every night. Never. Not one time in his 40 or 50 years of uh, experience being a general authority of the church, of his uh, being a bishop, it would be more than that, more than those years, having been a mission president. He never saw a couple get divorced who were praying together. So he says here that the, the, uh, the current prophets in 1995 are saying principles of faith, prayer, repentance, and forgiveness. You need to learn to, re to repent to one another to ask for forgiveness when you're wrong, and the other person needs to forgive them. This is simple stuff. This is something that, you know, you, we teach children to learn to do, and it's a shame that we have people growing up that reproduce children who haven't learned basic childlike principles uh, in their own lives, and then you expect them to teach children, and then they fight, and they and they argue, and, and these things, and they can't forgive, and they can't ask for forgiveness, and they can't learn to love each other, and then marriage uh, just, uh, you know, falls apart, and they end up committing, uh, uh, you know, further sin there of getting divorced, and then that brings uh, children now having to grow up without a father and without a mother, uh, just sin upon sin, you know, leading on and on until eventually those kids end up with a high degree chance or at least a higher degree chance of losing their way of off the path that leads back to God than those who grew up with the father and with the mother who learned to forgive each other, to learn to, to repent, to learn to love each other and show that example to those children. Those children have a much better chance of remaining on the straight and narrow path that leads back to our Heavenly Father's presence. He says, compassion. You need to be compassionate towards each other. Again, basic things we teach children. Work and wholesome recreational activities. By divine design, fathers are presided over their families in love and righteousness and responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. It's their obligation that as long as they're healthy, they need to be the providers to go forth and work and provide uh, for their families and provide shelter and, and these sort of things. That's their responsibility. And then he says, uh, and, and then they say here after that, mothers are primarily responsible for their nurture of their children. And these sacred responsibilities, fathers and mothers are obligated to help one another as equal partners, equal, not one lording it over the other or, or one uh, neglecting, you know, their family responsibilities. Together, equal partners, slightly different responsibilities, working together towards the upbringing of their family as a family of God and of worshiping the Lord and learning to keep his commandments. Uh, it says that uh, 
they understand that disability, death, or other circumstances may necessitate individual adaptation. Obviously, if something happens and the, and the father's not able to physically work, you know, the mother may have to go out and work and be the, uh, the provider, right? Uh, death, one of the two of them may, may die, at which point one has to take over all the responsibilities, uh, you know, and so they understand that. Uh, and they, they understand it, and the Lord understands it. Extended families should lend support when needed. And yet how often we see extended families, you know, they just, uh, you know, refuse to participate and refuse to, uh, you know, help out in their responsibilities to lend support when they're needed, as it says here. Now, he says, now they say, we warn that individuals who violate covenants of chastity, who abuse spouse or offspring, or who fail to fulfill family responsibilities will one day stand accountable before God. Further, we warn that the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals, communities, and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets. Now, we've seen that. This was 1995, 26 years ago. And yet now we see this kind of stuff. We see this calamities falling upon the earth because the people failed to keep these basic commandments of God that has always been taught for the last 6,000 years in the Bible. All these things, every one of these principles we looked at today can all be found in the Bible, starting with Genesis chapter 1. The same principles always taught. When the people reject them, these calamities come upon the people. That's why we have now records in uh, in um, teen pregnancy and unwed mothers, uh, you know, and uh, poverty and, and all kinds of these uh, horrible calamities that fall down on mankind simply because of their failure to keep these basic commandments of God. And so, therefore, as a result, because of this, they're saying we, the Council of the Twelve Apostles and the First Presidency of Jesus Christ Church upon the earth, we call upon responsible citizens and officers of government everywhere to promote those measures designed to maintain and strengthen the family as the fundamental unit of society. That was their warning. They warned the countries. They warned the governments that th these things would happen if they refused to act upon them. So all the judgments of God being poured out upon the land today are a result because they failed to listen to the current prophets upon the earth. What a great lesson here again about the proclamation of the family and, and the God's ideal, God's way of life, the way that he wants us to live our life so we can be just as happy. I testify that there is great joy and happiness in keeping these commandments and doing our best to faithfully fulfill these uh, admonitions of the Lord. I testify that these were true prophets and apostles in our own day to write this document and to proclaim it upon the housetops and to send it out to the nations of the earth and to the governments of the earth uh, to do everything they can to, to teach people the truth of God and how to get along in society and how to enjoy the family unit. Of these things I testify in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.